Welcome to GMFC Studios, God's production company. Sorry about that. As I was saying, we were talking about the violence that's going on in the city of Columbus and how it seems like everything is just chaotic. It seems like one incident ends and another incident begins and everyone is struggling to find peace. The, the practices, the theologies, the policies of man don't seem to be doing too much of anything at all to stem this uh, violence. But to the believer, we shouldn't be shocked by the things that we see nor the things that we hear because these things were, fo were foretold in Scripture that in the last days these things would transpire and that for us it would be a sign that Jesus is soon to come. And we have to begin to uh, determine what our focus is. We look at, um, you know, the external things that are going on, but there's a lot of internal things that are going on within the body of Christ that are not reflective of God's word or of what we are, um, what we should be seeing even from our own leadership. And I say that word leadership loosely because uh, not everyone that calls himself a pastor or a prophet or uh, apostle or bishop or whatever uh, seems to be the, the flavor of the month title speaks for the body of Christ. Amen. Now, they may say that they speak for you, but they, 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 don't, they don't speak for me. And, and we have to be very cognizant of the fact that not everyone in Christ is going to end up in the same place that we're all striving for. There are going to be some that are left behind, and this is a raw but true reality. I was watching um, a, a news article. Um, I forget the platform that I was looking at, but they were talking about uh, the pastor of New Birth and how he had sat down and he was talking about the um, apology that uh, he had gone to some event and that he was the representative of the body of Christ and that he came to this uh, platform, which was a uh, uh, LBGTQ pl uh, platform, and he said that he came to apologize 
for um, the body of Christ and the hate that the body of Christ has towards uh, the LBGTQ community. And I don't know what he may be dealing with or what hate he may have spewed from his own pulpit, but he surely does not speak for me because hate doesn't come from me. Now, I can tell you what scripture says about behavior, but I also can tell you what Jesus demonstrated concerning love towards people, even people that are engaged in sin because it was in a state of sin that we all were in prior to the coming of Christ and the necessity that Christ should come while we were yet lost that we could be found while we were yet separated from God that we might be joined together or redeemed while we so boldly say that we are the redeemed of the Lord we are the ones who have been called of God to return to right relationship with him and I'm going to be talking this week in our holy convocation that's coming up. And I encourage you, if you have nothing to do this week, come on out to 487 North Champion Avenue uh, and celebrate uh, the fellowship of, of the churches of Greater Emmanuel as we come together to just uh, give God praise, glory, and honor and to learn something from the Lord as each uh, man and woman has been called to deliver the word. And I'm going to be talking about uh, holiness coming th this coming Tuesday evening. So I encourage you to come out and, and, and um, sit down with me as we fellowship and just talk about holiness. Because it is the way. Holiness is the way. Amen. But I don't want to get into that sermon. I was excited. Uh, I've been studying this for a while and I was really excited about it as I was going back over it again uh, in the wee hours of this morning. And um, I had to remind myself that sermon is Tuesday, it's not Sunday. Get focused back on uh, today's lesson. But I want you to turn with me uh, in the Word of God to the book of Matthew, the 28th chapter. And I'm going to read for your hearing the first through the 10th verse. Matthew 28, 1 through 10. And the Bible declares in the King James Version, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him, lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail, and they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. So as I was thinking about some of the things that I've seen 
concerning the church. And, and you have to understand, uh, my mission, um, one of the, the gifts or the anointings that God has applied to my life is speaking to the church. I'm not always speaking to the world, but I have been called as a pastor, as a bishop, to speak to the church, to set things that are not right, right to take chaos and put it back into a semblance of order. And I was reflecting the other day about the sad state of the church at this present moment in time, looking um, at the um, famous preachers, the ones that when you think about the church, they um, kind of go along with those thoughts. Uh, people that um, are in the forefront, that are standing in the gap between the body of Christ and the world. And I began to think back to the times when the apostles preached and how their preaching differs from the preaching that we hear today. I see a vast difference in their style from what I see in many pulpits across this nation from the things that I hear people talking about and expounding upon and, uh, you know, trying to deliver uh, this specific word to the body of Christ, it seems to differ from the things that I read and I know and I understand of the, of the apostles. I noticed that the apostles did not take a specific text when they preached or an iPad, you know, which you know, all know I'm pretty, pretty fond of. They didn't confine themselves to one subject, much less to any one place of worship. They stood up in any place and declared from the fullness of their heart what they knew of Jesus Christ. But the most noticeable difference that I observed was in the subject of their preaching. In the subject of their preaching. The very staple of their preaching was the resurrection of the dead. I find myself preaching the doctrine of the grace of God, leading the people of God as well as I am enabled uh, by the Spirit of God into the deep things of his word. But I was surprised as I was studying in this and listening to uh, God speak to my spirit to find that I had not been copying the apostolic fashion half as nearly as I should have been. The apostles, when they preached, always testified concerning the resurrection of Jesus and the consequent uh, you know, resurrection of those that die in Christ. In many pulpits across this country, the body of Christ will rarely hear of the resurrection except maybe on Resurrection Sunday, which uh, half the body of Christ calls Easter. And then even only occasionally it may be mentioned after that. It appears that the alpha and the omega of the apostolic message is the testimony that Jesus Christ died and rose again from the dead according to what the scripture declares without apology. It declares that Jesus came, he was born, he suffered, he died, and he rose again. And when they choose another apostle to replace Judas, they said, one must be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. So that the very office of an apostle was to be a witness of the resurrection. 
and well uh, you know did they fulfill their office when Peter stood up before the multitude he declared unto them that David spoke of the resurrection of Christ when Peter and John were taken before the council the great uh, cause of their arrest was that the rulers were grieved because they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead when they were set free after having been examined, it is said, with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And, the, and great grace was upon them all, Acts 4 and 33. Paul stated that when he stood before the council of the Pharisees and the Sadducees concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am called in question. And Paul constantly asserted, if Christ be not risen from the dead then our preaching is vain and your faith is vain and ye are yet still in your sin the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of the righteousness of God is a doctrine which we believe but which we too seldom preach or care to read about I'm persuaded that there is much power in this doctrine. And if I preach it to you this morning, you would be reminded it is because of the resurrection of Jesus we can have confidence that we too will be resurrected from the dead to live with Christ eternally. You see, this is our blessed hope. The very thing that we long for, the very thing that we're seeking after, the very thing that we hope with every ounce of our being comes true for us is that when I close my eyes in this life, well, that I will open them in the presence of God. That in that day when he comes and the trump sounds and the dead in Christ, if I be dead in Christ, that I would be first to rise and meet those that are yet alive in the air and forever be with Jesus. This is the glorious truth of the gospel that we seldom hear about. The gospel has nothing to do with how prosperous you are in this life. The gospel has nothing to do with your suffering in this life. We are so me-centric that we've missed the very core and foundation of the message that we ought to be expressing from the pulpits across this nation. Jesus arose after the Sabbath was over. That is on Sunday, the first day of the week. Now there are four facts that I want to kind of cue you in on. And before some of you start thinking in your mind that uh, this isn't Easter, this isn't Resurrection Sunday, why is he preaching this? Because this is the most prominent and necessary message that should be preached every Sunday Amen. is the resurrection of the dead into the body or the bosom of Abraham. Matthew said that in the end of the Sabbath, which means late on the Sabbath. Matthew was not speaking of strict Jewish time. Uh, Hebrew time was what was used in the uh, Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And the book of Acts, 
Acts, sunrise, 6 a.m., was the beginning of the day. The first hour was 7 a.m., and so on. So sometimes scripture refers to a watch, and, 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 and you know, the, the day and the night were uh, divided uh, into four watches as you look at the uh, Hebrew timeline. A, a watch is uh, a set of or a period of hours that uh, is three hours in length. So the first watch of the day would be 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. And the Gospel of John uses Roman time with the hours beginning at 12 noon and 12 midnight. Our time is the same that we look at today as the Roman time. So this would mean the Sabbath had ended at 6 p.m., the preceding evening uh, uh, of Saturday. So he was using this common day-to-day idea of time as he's expressing what God has breathed into him to express. He was simply adding the nighttime to the preceding day. Now, Jesus arose before dawn, before the sun arose on Sunday morning. And this is significant to the early Christian believer. As a matter of fact, it's so significant that they broke away from the practice of worshiping on the Sabbath or on Saturday. They began to worship on Sunday, the day of the resurrection of their Lord. The Bible declares, and upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the, on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. You think I preach long. The Bible also declares, upon the first day of the week, that every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. 1 Corinthians 16 and 2. So Jesus arose on the first day of the week, on Sunday morning. This means that he arose on the third day, just as he had said. His arising from the dead is a triumph, a conquest over death. Death reigns no more. Its rule has been broken. The word of God tells us, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. 2 Corinthians 1, 9 through 10. It also declares, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought to life and immortality to light through the gospel. 2 Timothy 1 and 10. Scripture is replete with this identification of the necessity that Jesus would come because in and of ourselves we were incapable of ever restoring ourselves to a right place with God. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Hebrews 2 and 9 and 14 through 15. So again, we look at this and we understand that the necessity of the preaching of the gospel 
according to what the apostles did was the regurgent or the re, uh, resurgence of the um, preaching constantly of the resurrection. Jesus arose on the first day of the week, Sunday morning. And this is vitally important because he was in the grave on the Sabbath, unable to observe the laws governing the great season of the Passover and the Sabbath. He was dead. Therefore, the law and its observances had no authority over him. Now, this is symbolic of the identification that you and I gain in Christ. When we believe in Jesus Christ, God identifies us with Christ. In particular, now watch this, when God looks at us, he's not just looking at us in the life of Christ, but he identifies us in particular with the death of Christ. God counts us as having died with Jesus. Therefore in Christ's death we then become dead to the law because as he died he was not overcome by the necessity to abide by it because the uh, body was in the grave. The Bible says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. What do we declare? That, that was Romans 6 and 6. But what do we declare? What, what do we run around and say according to scripture? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me Galatians 2 and 24 or 2 and 20 so the Bible also tells us that wherefore if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments that's the elements or the things of the world why as though living in the world are ye subject to ordinances Colossians 2 and 20 so the first witnesses to the resurrection watch this were not men they were women the first witnesses to the resurrection were women. Amen. Not even his own disciples, but women. The women took the lead in their love and in their care for Jesus. Uh, two reasons are given for uh, the women coming to the tomb of Jesus, uh, something that it, it, you know, so we should understand. Matthew says that the woman came to see the sepulcher. Now, the Greek word to see means to contemplate, to gaze, to observe in order to grasp. In other words, she was not coming there uh, you know, as a busybody trying to be nosy. She was coming there to contemplate what has just transpired. They came so that they could be close to where the, their Lord was, the one who meant so much to them, to mourn over him, to think through all that they had that had happened, all that they had experienced. And, and this is in, a very important point because it perhaps explains why the women were more prepared to believe the miracle of the resurrection than the men. The Bible says, now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, uh, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told uh, them that uh, had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. 
Mark 16, 9 through 11. Now imagine Jesus this whole time uh, preceding, uh, you know, coming up to his death was telling them what was going to happen, what would, what would happen not only to him, which came to pass, but what would happen after man got finished doing what man uh, was going to do. But the Bible declares that when she came to testify of the resurrection, that his own people didn't believe him. The Bible says it was Mary Magdalene and uh, Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and, and, and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And, and their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Uh, Luke 24, 10 through 11. Check the text. I'm not making this up to you. The women were first ready and conditioned to believe because of the love that they had for Jesus. Just a little sidebar for some of uh, uh, you married men. No one will love you like a woman loves you. Now, thinking and meditating upon the Lord will help us to understand the Lord and, and prepare us to receive this great truth of his resurrection. The Bible says, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Isaiah 1 and 18. Now, Mark says that the other reason that the women came uh, to the tomb was that they might anoint him, Mark 16 and 1. They cared so much that they wanted to take care of his body. They wanted to prepare his body as was their custom. Now, Mary Magdalene stands out as one of uh, the most prominent of the women witnessing the resurrection of the Lord. Her love and devotion must have been so deep, that, uh, I mean, like uh, beyond something that we, we, can, we would consider very normal love. Mary had a very special quality about her, possessing a deeper love and a deeper devotion than most uh, expressed. The other Mary was the mother of James. Now, she just could not tear herself away from the body of Jesus, which indicates that she also had a very special love and devotion to him. Jesus Christ, uh, the resurrection, this miraculous event, there was uh, the great earthquake that took place. What am I preaching? I'm preaching to you the resurrection. Today you've got to understand the resurrection. It is the foundation upon which we stand. Amen. And when Jesus arose, the Bible declares that there was a great earthquake. And nothing more is said. Only that it was great. Now the earthquake symbolizes that a historical uh, uh, thing was taking place. An event that never before had uh, happened was taking place. A man was rising from the dead. The man, Jesus Christ, the son of God himself. Tragically, he had been put to death by the hands of men, but gloriously he was being raised from the dead by the power of God. Now, the historical event was a picture of the unbelievable uh, thing that God was planning for the end time, the resurrection of all the dead. It is the precursor to what our hope is that we too would be found in the resurrection of God. The resurrection of God's son paved the way and prefigured the resurrection of all man. 
Now, history was witnessing the most uh, convulsive event of all time. The quaking of the earth was uh, bound to happen. All of creation was recognizing the glory that was being revealed, even though the so-called smartest folk, mankind, couldn't get it. There was that great stone that was rolled back. The stone was not rolled back uh, for the benefit of Christ, but for the witness of the resurrection. God is constantly pointing us to the resurrection and the necessity that there be witnesses to. What is it that I'm supposed to be a witness to? I'm supposed to be a witness to the resurrection of Christ. When Christ arose, he was uh, in his resurrection body, the body of the spiritual dimension of being, which has no physical limitation. But the witnesses needed to enter the tomb and see for themselves what was true, which is what necessitated the rolling away of the stone because Jesus not being confined in his resurrection body to being prevented from walking through things, the stone needed to be rolled away that man that we would be able to witness the great power of resurrection and there was the radiant uh, figure the angel of the Lord himself now there are two things I just want to point your attention to about the angel first all he rolled back the stone for the sake of the witnesses he was a ministering spirit of God serving by helping God's people his appearance was dazzling, just like lightning, visible, quick, startling, striking, frightening, and brilliant, just like snow. He was white, pure, and glistening. There were the guards uh, that were standing there. They were standing there in terror. Matthew seems to indicate that the guards witnessed the flashing appearance of the angel and the rolling back of the stone. And the suddenness of this event, the brilliance uh, of the appearance and the enormous strength of the angel were like a volcanic eruption in the sight of man. They quaked and they shook and they fell, the Bible says, as dead men to the ground. They were either stricken unconscious or they were so terrified they pretended to be unconscious. You, you, you'll understand that in a moment of terror you might find yourself pretending to be unconscious Amen. hoping that this terror that you see will pass you by. I want you to think about this. The power of God is so awesome and terrifying at the same time. The guards had been told that they were to guard a dead body against thieves. They were totally unprepared and unable to stand against the power of God and the messenger of God. There's a strong lesson uh, that we have to see in this scripture that uh, is true for every unbeliever. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Luke 1 and 37. Matthew 28 and 18 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to what? Lay it down. And I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father, John 10 and 18, and declared to be the son of God with what? 
power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. You see, God's power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places is what's being revealed for us. Scripture manifests into reality. Which by his strength, the Bible says, setteth fast the mountains being girded with power. Psalm 65 and 6. But our God is in the heavens. He hath done uh, whatsoever he hath pleased. Psalm 115 and 3. You have to understand the very power of God. Who can hinder the power of God? What power can stand in the face of the power of God and hinder what God is doing? There is no power. Now, as we uh, continue to look at this uh, resurrection, we find that when the women arrived at the tomb, they saw this dazzling angel sitting on the stone. And Mark says they saw a young man sitting on the right side clothed in a long white garment, Mark 16 and 5. Luke says two men stood by them in shining garments, Luke 24 and 4. Apparently, many angels were all about the tomb and the surrounding area attending Christ, joying and rejoicing and praising over what God had done. And at the right time, one angel appeared to the woman. Then, then I want you to note something, that they appeared as men, as messengers of God. Now, the appeal of the resurrection are a message within themselves. First off, don't fear it. There are three reasons why uh, we who seek after Christ should not fear the resurrection. God knows the person who is seeking after his son, the Messiah. He knows the movement of every heart. The person who seeks diligently shall find, Matthew 7 and 7. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And unto him uh, that knocketh it, it shall be opened, Matthew 7, 7 through 8. Now we've, you know, subverted this text and made it all about money. Uh, that That's the only thing that we, we should be seeking after. We need to stop seeking after money and start seeking after Jesus. We have to find ourselves focused on Christ and the power of his resurrection. What does the Bible say about you? It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. What is that expected end? It's the resurrection from the dead. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart, Jeremiah 29 11 through 13 Christ was crucified for the salvation of all mankind Jesus answered them many good works have I shown you from my father for which of those works do you stone me the Jews answered him saying for a good work we stone thee not but for blasphemy and because that that thou being a man maketh thyself God John 10 32 and 33 for when we were yet without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly Romans 5 and 6 
Jesus came and he died for us. It's important, 2 Corinthians 5 and 15, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. Oh, wait, wait. We're not supposed to live unto ourselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. We're not supposed to live seeking to satisfy self, but we're supposed to live for Christ who died for us, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. First Peter 2 and 24. I'm just preaching you the Bible. I'm preaching you the power of resurrection. And the Bible declares and they sung a new song saying thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou was slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Revelation 5 and 9. So Christ is now risen from the dead and in the rising from the dead is the conquering of death. Why is resurrection so powerful? Because it is the revelation and manifestation of our conquering of death which is housed and fueled by sin. But for us also to whom it Righteousness shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Romans 4, 24 through 25. You see, the power of God which was wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places is revealed for us in the manifestation of the resurrection. We have to come, see, and believe. Now, I want you to understand, the angel reminds the women of the word of Jesus. What does the angel say? He is risen, what? As he said. Amen. Now, I want you to also pay attention to the fact that the women were told to come see the place. They were eyewitnesses of his resurrection it's important that we understand the necessity that the world witness the power of resurrection how can they witness the power of resurrection they witness the power of resurrection not just through the stories that we tell relating back to scripture but through the manifestation of the power of resurrection that is alive in us for I have died and I'm not waiting for resurrection I am resurrection because I am alive in him who was once dead and is now alive and sitting at the right hand of God this is who we are. This is the necessity. It doesn't matter if I preach to you uh, how to get wealthy if you don't understand the power of resurrection and you die. I don't care what they bury you with. You can be a pharaoh and have a whole pyramid built that houses the treasures you attained here in the earth. It will be waiting for the grave robber because you cannot take this fable, weak, uh, rich, riches here with you into resurrection your riches await for you in the power that will be revealed through the rising from the dead and the eternal presence with God Amen. 
This is the, 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 the focus of the believer. This is the necessity of the believer to be witnesses to the world of the power of resurrection. I am alive not by the power of man, but by the power of Christ. I live, I move, I have my being, not in the things of man, but in the things of Christ. I am the express image of Christ in the earth. And when I say I, I'm not talking I singular me. I'm talking I universally us. We become the expression of walking resurrection when people outside the body see us and understand us and recognize who we once were to who we have become. This is why holiness becomes so vitally important for the believer. You've got to come out Tuesday night. You've got to come out Tuesday night and hear what God has laid on my heart concerning holiness and why it is the only way for the believer. I encourage you to come out, tune in, listen. If you can't make it, find it on Facebook. Because you want to hear what God is saying. Because you are the express image of resurrection. The resurrection of our Savior is the cornerstone of our faith. If he would have died and not arose vain is our faith powerless is our belief weakness is our portion death is our reward God bless you you have an awesome Sunday understand you are standing in the power of the resurrection God bless you This has been a production of the GMFC Studios. God bless you.